0: If you got your Bible, go ahead and open to Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. Uh, I told you we're going we're gonna to be in the Word a lot today, so have your, your flipping fingers ready. Uh, ha, have your, your app ready to, to skip ahead. Um, but, but we opened the series last week called The Process with this question. What does a disciple of Jesus look like? If I'm truly a follower of Jesus, not just somebody who, who raised my hand and prayed a prayer, not just somebody who asked Jesus in my heart, but a disciple of Jesus, or, or another way we can say that a, a disciple is a follower of Jesus, right? Like, like a Christ follower, a fully devoted follower of Jesus. It, it, what does that person look like? And, and we said that we could define that in a lot of different ways. There's a lot of different characteristics that, that we could attribute, and probably all of us might think of something different or, or multiple different things. But, but to, to narrow it down to a simplest form, to, to go through, here are the things that, that all believers, that all followers of Jesus need to walk through, that all disciples do. We said there's four things, and, and that discipleship process looks like this. It's no Grow, discover, go. No, grow, discover, go. Those four words sum up this entire process. That first of all, we have to have a revelation of God. A come to Jesus moment. A minute where, where God reveals himself to us. That we can't actually get to Jesus on our own. God has to reveal him. Self to us. And we have that revelation, and, and we looked at the life of the Apostle Paul last week and saw this great revelation that he had, this, this incredible conversion. And so all of us have to have that no moment. We, we can't grow, we can't discover, we can't go, we can't live out the Christian life without first giving our life to him, right? So so that's the beginning. Um, and, and then we start to grow, that if you look at the lives of, of any of the believers in Scripture, at, at any of us, that, that we don't arrive fully ready, right? Like, like we, don't, we don't clean up our lives and then come to Jesus. We, we come to Jesus with all of our junk, with all of our stuff, with all of our mess, and, and then we have to start to grow after he's empowered us, after he's placed his spirit within us. Uh, and, and then we got to discover, man, who, who am I? You know what? God's got some different things to say about me than I have to say about me. He's got some different things to say about me than the world has to say about me. So i got to discover what that is and then discover what has he placed in me. What, what are my passions? What are my giftings? What are my callings? What are the things that are different about me than are about you? What, what are the things that make me unique in his kingdom? And Why did God want me in his kingdom? My, my, my old pastor, Pastor Jason Delgado, used to always say this. He said, if two of us are alike, one of us is unnecessary. We're not supposed to be the same. You're not supposed to be me. You don't live out my calling. you got to live out yours. Uh, why? Because all of us are necessary. God brought you into his family for a reason. And so we got to discover what that is. What is that purpose? What is that uniqueness about us? And then lastly, we go. We take that stuff that we've discovered, we we begin to apply it, we begin to serve, we begin to be used by God in a great and mighty way. And so so last week, actually, after first service, uh, Dave Wearsema pulls me aside out in the lobby, and he's like, Hey, I, I got to show you something as you were speaking. God showed me this, and go ahead and put that graph up for us. Uh, he, he said, Here's what I see, because I had mentioned that, it, that they're not... Uh, it's not like you leave one step and go to the next. It's not like, okay, now that I know God, I don't need to know God anymore. Now I grow. And now that I've grown, I don't need to grow anymore. Now I discover. It's that once one, you've gone through part of one phase, now you can begin to enter the next phase. And so put it like this. It's, it's, you know, man, we never stop needing to know God better, right? We never, we never have fully mastered who God is. Man, he, he, his greatness, his goodness is beyond anything I could comprehend. So until I get to heaven, the no phase is not complete. And then I'm probably going to spend eternity finding out new things and great things and discovering stuff about him. Uh, and, but then I begin to grow. And the grow phase doesn't stop when I hit discover, man. I'm still growing. Part of, part of growing is discovering, right? Like part of growing is realizing who am I and how does God want to use me. And discovery doesn't stop when I begin to go, man. As I begin to serve and be used by God, sometimes I find out new things. Whoa. I didn't know I could do that. I didn't know I'd enjoy that. I thought that was going to be tough. I thought that was going to be difficult. We, we begin to learn new things as we go and discover new things about ourselves. God, I'm a big believer. God works in seasons. And so go, sometimes I'm going to go in this direction in this season and then discover God's got a different season for me and he's going to take me in a different direction and have me use some different giftings and some different callings on my life in that season. So, so we never leave those things. It's just that that we got to move from one into the next. One's a prerequisite for the next. I can't get to discover until I've grown. I can't get to go before I've discovered, uh, but but we don't leave them behind. So hopefully that makes some sense that props to Dave on the graph. Uh, visual learner comes in handy. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a words guy. He's a picture guy. So man, that's why if two of us are the same, one of us is unnecessary, right? He learns differently and that allows other people to learn differently. So So thank you for that. So like I said, last week we looked at the example of the Apostle Paul as, as he came to know God. This week we're going to look again to his example as he began to grow in God. Um, I know most of my Christian years, actually, I, I had this impression that Paul had this radical conversion in the book of Acts that we read about last week, where Jesus shows up and speaks to him, and everything changed, and he went in a totally different direction, and he just immediately started like planting churches, and immediately started leading people to Jesus, and immediately casting out demons, and seeing people healed, and all this crazy stuff, and it wasn't actually until I was in my 20s, I was an intern in Oklahoma, and, and my intern director actually shared with me a passage from Galatians that I had always overlooked. And, and I realized that Paul didn't just go straight from conversion to serving. There was actually a process in Paul's life. And I want to turn your attention there. It's in Galatians chapter 1, starting in verse 11. This is the apostle Paul writing to to the church in Galatia. Galatia was a, was an, a, a region in uh, in, in Greece, and he, Paul says this to these believers. He says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from God. So when he's saying all the stuff that I'm telling you about Jesus, I, I didn't sit under somebody else, and they taught me. I didn't hang out with Peter, and Peter said, hey, this is what Jesus did. I didn't hang out with, with John, and John's like, man, you should have seen what, what Jesus did. He's, he said, I got this straight from revelation from God himself. He said, for you've heard my previous way of life in Judaism, how I intensely persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. So, so he was formerly known as Saul, and he hated Christians, and he's hunting them down. And uh, he, we read last week that it says that, uh, that Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples, that, that he was hunting them down and trying to throw them in prison. Um, so, so that's who he was. Verse 14, he says, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. And was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. Saul was a Pharisee. He, he, he was trained by, by the strictest uh, form of the Jewish religion. He, he, he was studied in the Old Testament. Paul knew the Old Testament better than, than any of us. Uh, but, but he was using it improperly he didn't understand who Jesus was until Jesus revealed himself verse 15 says but when God who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace in other words the calling was on Saul's life long before he ever met Jesus God had a plan for him long before he ever met Jesus you know God had a plan for you before you ever met Jesus God had a plan for you before you came to church today. God had a plan for you before you ever took a step towards him. God had set you apart from birth and called you by his grace Said, I'm going to do something great in your life. He says, he was pleased, God was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. My immediate response was not to consult any human being. So in other words, when Jesus finally showed up in my life, I didn't say, hey, I need to go sit under somebody else. Here's why I think Saul did this and and Paul did this. Because what Paul had done his whole life was to sit under a human teacher. That was the way he trained. That was what he had done. He was so dedicated to teach me everything you know. Show me everything there is to being a Pharisee. I want to be just like you. And, and so when Jesus finally reveals himself and he realizes, I've been long, wrong my whole life. I've missed it my whole life. He didn't say, hey, i got to go train under somebody. He said, i got to go spend some time with God. i got to go and grow. i got to figure out how have I missed it for so long. He says that, that my immediate response was not to consult any human being. Verse 17, I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. So so we don't know how long he was in Arabia or how long he was in Damascus, but there was a season where he went out into Arabia, which he also calls the desert, the wilderness. He went out by himself where nobody was around, just him and God. And then he returned, not not to Jerusalem first, which was the center of the church. He returned back to Damascus, which was where he had come to Jesus. He he went back there to, to the first Christian friends that he had made, to Ananias, to these other believers who, who were the first that, that had come into his life. So verse 18, it says, then after three years, everybody say three years, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas, Cephas is Peter, that's a, the Greek version of his name, and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that I, what I am writing you is no lie. Here's what's interesting about this. How long was Jesus with his disciples? How long was Jesus with his disciples? Not a trick question. Three years, right? He was three years with his disciples. The, the disciples trained other Jesus for three years before he really sent them out in ministry. It doesn't mean they were never used by God. It doesn't mean that he didn't do stuff with them. He included them in miracles and, and even sent them out for short periods of time. But before they really entered into to the great calling God had on their lives, it was three years with Jesus. So God says, hey, I've got a calling on somebody else who's going to be my apostle. I'm going to build my church on somebody else who wasn't with Jesus all that time. I'm going to name him Paul. I'm going to change his life around, but I'm going to have him study under me for three years. I think that's, that's incredible that, that he said, you know what, I'm going to have you put in the same amount of work that my disciples did. You don't, you don't get to short circuit the process. You're going to have to grow, too. I don't care that, that you know the Old Testament better than my disciples knew it. I don't care that, that you have more studying in. I want you to know me. To not just know me in a moment, but to begin to understand me. And, and so God began to reveal to Paul who he was, his character, his nature, his calling, his purpose. Why is it necessary for us to begin to grow? Because when we come to Jesus, we come to Jesus with all our junk. Saul came to Jesus with arrogance, with with hatred, with anger. Man, he probably came to Jesus with a whole lot of guilt. There were people who lost their lives because of him. Can you imagine the issues that this man had? When God called him, can you imagine the the hurts that were in him? Can you imagine even the self-loathing that was in him? God couldn't just show up to him one day and say, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send you as a missionary, and you're going to go out and take over the world. He had to fix some stuff in Saul before he could use him. And if Saul needed Jesus to fix some stuff, and the disciples needed three years with Jesus, and as we saw last week, even Luke chapter 2, verse 52 says that, that Jesus began to grow in stature with God and with man. And so if even Jesus had to grow, guess what I got to tell you today? You're going to have to grow. That, touch the person next to you say, you got to grow. Touch the person on the other side and say, you really got to grow. Yeah, I, I got news for you. Man of God, woman of God today, you better grow. Growth is not automatic. It is not instantaneous. It doesn't just happen. The same man, the apostle Paul says that that we have to move on to maturity. He said, when I I was a child, I looked like a child. I thought like a child. I acted like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Growth doesn't just happen. God is calling us to maturity. My, My son right now is two years old. And he is growing every stinking day. He's learning new words and new rebellion and new ways to not listen to mommy and daddy and, 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 and new stuff. And, and, and we're starting to potty train. And he's got, he has got gets excited now when he poops his pants. And <laughs> it's man a whole different thing. And stuff's happening in our house, right? He's growing. It's amazing how natural growth just happens, right? right? We, we, we feed him. We, we change his diaper, we, we, we make sure that he's got plenty of water. He loves water, um, and he grows. It just happens, but but spiritually, it doesn't work like that, does it? I, I know a whole lot of Christians who've known Jesus for 30 years, but they still have diapers. And you know what? It, it, it's funny because I love the season that my son is in. And, and, and it's so funny how the cliches are all true. And I'm like, man, I just don't want him to grow up. And I always rolled my eyes when people said that before. I'm like, man, I just wish he could stay like this forever. This is so much fun. Then we, we do Like last night, um, he started this thing. I don't know where it came from, but he, when he gets in our bed, he wants us to tickle him. Like, I guess we, like, he just, he, he'll, he's like, man, it's time. So he'll run, and he'll jump up in our bed, and now it's time to tickle him. And so we come, and we tickle him, and he just dies laughing. And then if we put the covers over, it, like, goes up to a whole other level. And so so Alexa, his sister, has learned this from him. Like, she just wants to be just like Judah. So she's only 10 months, but she's dying laughing because Judah's dying laughing. And so I, the, the way that I got over the Seahawks loss last night is I just got my kids in the bed and just tickled them and threw covers over them. And, and, and man, laughter is like medicine for the soul. Hallelujah. And we had such, and I'm like, man, I don't ever want this to change. I don't don't ever want to lose this. But you know the truth? If if God listened to that and my son stayed two years old forever, it wouldn't be cute forever. That there would come a point where it's not fun to put him in the high chair. There would come a point where it's not fun to to wipe that poopy butt, right? Like there would come a point where it's not cool no more. How many Christians are walking out and God says, man, it's not cool no more? I'm ready for you to grow. I'm ready for you to take some steps. I'm ready for you to push beyond what's easy and what's comfortable and to take a chance. It's the beauty of kids. is They're, they're, they're risk takers, right? They, they, they want to grow so bad they're willing to take that first step and fall on their face 57 times or 570 times, right? They're, they're, they're willing to, to get mess all over themselves while they're body training because they want to learn so badly. And sometimes growth isn't easy. Sometimes growth isn't pretty. Sometimes it stinks because we figure out as we're trying to grow, man, I'm not as strong as I thought I was. I'm not as far along as I thought I was. This isn't as easy as I thought it would be. But God has called his people to grow. He's called us to grow up. He's not willing for us to stay baby Christians forever. And he's calling us to grow. And so even Paul had to grow. Even the disciples had to grow. Even Jesus had to grow. So, so that we have to grow because we come to Jesus with a whole lot of junk. We come to Jesus with, with habits that we must break. A lot of times, we, even after we come to Jesus, we develop habits that we must break, right? Just because we come to Jesus doesn't mean we never get into a new habit we need to break. We, we come to Jesus with pains that we must heal from. I Man, There's some hurts from our past, from the way we were raised. From the way somebody treated us, the way somebody did us wrong, that, that God's calling us to forgive people. And sometimes that's a difficult thing. So we come to Jesus with, with pains we must heal from. And again, sometimes we acquire some pains we must heal from. Even after we come to Jesus, that doesn't mean we'll never acquire any more. We come to Jesus with lies that we must unlearn. So much of, of what I think why Saul was called out into the desert, why Paul was called to Arabia, is he had, he had learned a whole lot of lies. He learned a whole lot of things about God that weren't actually the truth, and God had to start unlearning some stuff in him. I had to start teaching him the real truth. And and man, culture teaches us a whole lot of lies. Life, our flesh teaches us a whole lot of lies. The enemy speaks a whole lot of lies into us. Many times, our friends, even our Christian friends, not knowing it, speak things that aren't true. And so we got after we come to Jesus, we got to grow because we're gonna have to unlearn some stuff. Ultimately, we we got some junk we got a sin nature that we must crucify. we got a sin nature that needs to die. Just because we become a Christian doesn't mean all of a sudden those those same things that appealed to us before don't appeal to us anymore. That that, that sin nature, that flesh has to die. This is the way that Paul put it later on in Galatians. In Galatians chapter 5, he said, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions. And its desires and the new living, it puts it this way. I love the way it's worded. It says those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Can I just tell you something? Crucifying the flesh doesn't happen in three hours. That is a process. That is a that's why Jesus says you're gonna have to take up your cross. How often? Daily. Daily. Why? Because we gotta grow. Guess what happens? Any day I don't take up my cross and crucify my flesh, my sin nature, I don't grow. Every day I got to take it up. Every day I got to put it on the altar. Every day I got to say, I'm not going to go the way that my nature calls me to. I'm going to go the way that you call me to. So the the obvious question then becomes, how? If I got to grow, how do I grow? If it doesn't just happen what do I have to do? How do I grow? How do I put this junk b- b- behind me? How do I take these hurts, these habits, these, th- this sin nature? How do I take all this stuff that I bring with me to Jesus and get rid of it? How do I grow? And I think the answer isn't so much how we grow as it is where we grow. You see, Paul had to go to the desert to grow. Jesus went to his father's temple. He said, where else would I be but my father's house? He had to go to his father's house to grow, into the presence of God to grow. And I think that's ultimately the place where we grow is in God's presence. Where do you grow? Where do I grow as a Christian? It's not a how. It's not a four-step process. And do these four things and I grow. It means I got to get in God's presence. Why? Because ultimately growth is just becoming like Jesus. Jesus. And the only way I become like him is to be like him, is to be with him and discover what he is like. I've got to be in his presence in order to be like him. So we grow in God's presence. The, the disciples trained for three years before they were launched into their ministries. Why? Because they trained where? In the presence of Jesus. They became like him before they went out. So the question isn't so much how do we grow as how do we get in God's presence. First of all, let me say this. If you're a Christian here today, and I think most of us are, you're already in God's presence because the Holy Spirit lives in you. All right? So, you, so you're so you in God's presence in the bed. You're in God's presence at the ball game. You're in God's presence watching Scandal. You're in God's presence like wh- whatever it is, wherever you go, whatever you do, right or wrong, good or bad, great day, bad day, depressed, joyful, doesn't matter. You're in God's presence. But God has ordained some things for us to do to to access his presence. Because we live in the natural, his presence is in the spiritual. And so he's given us some pathways to go from where we are in the natural to where he is in the spiritual, to really connect with him. Because even though he's there, it doesn't mean I always hear his voice, right? Even though he's there, it doesn't mean I am always realize he's there or remember he's there or know that he's there. I don't know about you, but I've had some days where I'm like, where you at, God? Right? So so I'm not always aware of his presence. I'm not always connected to his presence. So God's given us some pathways to get from where we are to where he is. So what I want to show you today is four pathways to the presence of God. How do you grow? You get in his presence. How do you get in his presence? You do these four things. If you will do these things, I believe you will get in God's presence. You will become more like him. You will grow. The, The first pathway I want to show you today is gathering with other believers, doing what we're doing right now. Matthew eighteen twenty famously says, for where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Now, 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 let me be clear. This doesn't mean that you're not with God when you're alone. What it does mean is there's, there's an intensification, a magnification of, of his presence, of the understanding of his presence when we gather together. But what I think the key phrase in that verse is, I don't think it's it's gather. I think the key phrase is in my name. In other words, a couple weeks ago, uh, the Washington Huskies played and lost to the Alabama Crimson Tide. And I had some friends over, right? I had Matt came over, Vincent Alley came over, and these are other believers. And we gathered. We weren't gathering in his name. We were gathering in college football's name, right? Uh, So it wasn't like we we prayed before the game. Maybe we should have. Um, But we, we just got together. So I don't think it just means just you hang out with another Christian and you're playing Xbox. That man Jesus is right there with you. Right? Like, like maybe if, you, if you've dedicated that to him and you got a purpose for him or you're trying to reach out to people on Xbox Live, then God could be there. But I don't think it just means gathering, just two of us co- being in the same place. I think it's when we gather in his name. There's some intentionality. We're coming together to get better. We're coming together to sharpen each other. We're coming together to speak life into one another, to encourage one another, to grow. When we come together for that, Jesus says, I'm going to be right there with you. His presence is there. We may not see it. We may not feel it. We may not know it. But he says, I'm there. I'm helping. I'm involved in the process. It's what we do when we come together. It's what we do, man, when, when we come into a city group. We grow. We get into a smaller group. We get into to, to a group of 6, 8, 12, 15 other Christians. And, and now we get real, right, because we take out the facade. Because Sunday morning, you know, Wearing dress pants and a tie. Not often, but sometimes. Like, we, we put on our best on Sunday mornings, right? Like, we come in and we're ready to to do some things. That, and, and it's not normal, right? Like, everyday life, you're not sitting in rows looking at somebody speaking. Unless you're in school, that's probably the only other place that we normally do this on a regular basis. But but you get into a city group, and that's life because you're, you're looking at each other. You actually get to talk. You actually got to share, well, here's what God's showing me. Here's the struggle that I have in my life. And growth happens when we get real and authentic with other believers. This past week started uh, a process that I probably should have started a long time ago. Um, but there's another pastor here in town that, that I'd reached out to a couple weeks ago. I said, man, I need, I need some accountability. I need somebody else who can, who can kick my butt when I need it to get kicked. And I need somebody else who's close. I've got a pastor, but he's a few hours away and, and we can't always get together. And I need somebody else who's here. Who can check in on me? Who can, who can speak life to me? So so we got together, and it was just two of us. But Jesus says, "We're two or more gathered." I'm there, and can I tell you, His presence was there. Man, does this man share with me his his triumphs and his struggles? Is he sharing, man, here's here's the good things going on in my life. Here's the good things going on in our church. Here's the things I'm proud of, and man, here's the things that here's what I see in you that I, I want more of that. And I went to him thinking, "Man, I'm going to get a whole lot from you." But but he's pointing back and saying, "Man, here's the things that you do that that I need to do better." iron sharpens iron, right? We grow when we gather in his name. Are you gathering? I'm not just talking about Sunday morning. I'm talking about do you have some other Christians that you intentionally get with? Because you know what? I'm not content being where I am today. I want to be better tomorrow. And the only way it's going to happen is if I get real, I get authentic, I let somebody know where I'm really at. Man, we got to gather. The second pathway that we have to the presence of God Is reading the word of God. word of God connects me to God. You see, because God's word is his will. This is his will in black and white. Man, before I need to pray and ask God, what is your will for my life? I got to do James 122, right? Don't merely listen to the word and deceive myself, but do what it says. I got to put this into practice. If I'm putting this into practice, usually his will comes pretty clear. It's pretty easy to find. And so the, the word brings me in. To his presence. I don't know about you, but but I've been doing the reading plan, and when I say I've been doing the reading plan, there have been a couple mornings in Exodus that I missed. I haven't missed any of my nights in John, but I've had a couple days where I had to go back and pick up Exodus. So I haven't been flawless, but I've hit like five out of seven two days, and, and I'm caught up on all the reading. I'm I'm where I'm supposed to be. Um, and man, when I go to the Word, man, the, the, there's a clarity. Man, I, I told the, the guy that I'm doing accountability with this week. I said, man, this week I, I feel like it's been my best week in like three years between me and God. Man, I sense his presence in his word. He's speaking to me. He's showing me things. He's, he's drawing me close. He's calling stuff out in me, right? The word of God is like a mirror. And so not only do I see him, but I see me. And I see the, the hair that's out of place. I see the junk that's hanging from my nose, right? Like I see the stuff that ain't right in me. And God speaking and revealing things. And so, first of all, I, I connect to his presence, to take the pathway to his presence by gathering with other believers. But, but secondly, by reading the word of God. If you're not reading, you're missing out. You just are, man. That, that it's right there. He's made it so accessible and so easy and so simple for us to get into his presence by opening the word of God. The, the third way that the third pathway to his presence is what I was offering up prayer, offering up prayer. And the reason why I phrased it this way is, is two things. First thing is this is actually going to spell grow. So it'll help you remember it. If you haven't picked that out already, G R O W. And if I just said pray, it would be girpoo. And that wouldn't be as easy to remember or wouldn't sound as good or as, as clean. Right. So, so we went with offering up prayer, but, but there's another reason because in the book of Acts, I believe it's in chapter 10, it says this, it says, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. Listen to what it says about it. It says, he gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. Probably the same thing I would do. What is it, Lord, he asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up. How? As a memorial offering before God. What came up as an offering? Your generosity, your gifts to the poor. That's what we always call offering, right? But also your prayer. He was a regular man of prayer. He was consistent in prayer. And God says, there's a memorial before me. There's a monument that's been built in your name because you're so faithful in prayer. How many of us? Got a little bitty memorial in heaven because our prayer life ain't, ain't very regular. How many of it? here's what God's been showing me uh, in the book of Exodus. I don't know if you guys have been doing the reading, but we just went through all the plagues this week, right? We saw all these crazy plagues that, that struck the Egyptians. And, and Moses would go to Pharaoh and say, God says, let my people go. And Pharaoh would say, heck no. And then Moses would say, okay, here comes the next plague. So here comes Frogs, here comes blood, here comes darkness, here comes hail, here comes all this stuff and these horrible things would strike the Egyptians and the Pharaoh would say, okay, I'm sorry, please forgive me, I've sinned, call off the plague and I'll let you go. So Moses would call off the plague and as soon as the plague was gone, what happened? His heart, heart His heart hardens and he'd go right back just like she said. So, you know what, never mind, you're staying here. And, and, and I look at that and I'm like, what a dummy. Right? Like, God's breaking out, like, like he's, he's just breaking out his worst and sending it at your people. And, and you're going to keep on tempting him. You're going to keep on saying, hey, make it worse. You're, you're going to keep on defying God. What an idiot. And then, and then God said, but you do the same thing, Troy. So you, you get in crisis mode. And, man, something's going wrong in, in your finances. Something's going wrong in, in, in your church. Something's going wrong in, in whatever it might be. And you cry out to me. And I heal it, I fix it, I stop it, and then you go right back to where you were. How many of us are crisis Christians? And the only time we really get in the presence of God is when we need the presence of God. God, I need you to show up in my marriage. Man, that's not a bad thing to pray. But if the only time you're going before God, if the only time you're accessing his presence is when something's going wrong, can I just tell you, something's going to go wrong a lot. Because God wants you in his presence. If you're telling God, the only time I'm coming before you is when stuff is jacked up in my life, you're asking God to jack some stuff up in your life. It's just the reality of it. And and, and so how many of us got a little bitty memorial? in heaven how many of us got a weak memorial i'm I'm not talking about like a competition like we're gonna get to heaven and be like oh man josh your your memorial is looking pretty good and man shalom sorry about your luck like like we're we're not going to be comparing in heaven right but but i want to know that my prayer was received i want to know that it made an impact because here's what i believe before it happens in the natural it's got to happen in the spiritual And so if there's a memorial, Cornelius had a memorial in heaven, guess what that meant? That meant stuff was happening in the natural because he was making stuff happen in the spiritual. We've got to spend time in prayer. Jeremiah 33 says this, says, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things. What? That you do not know. So there's stuff that I don't know, which means that I can't grow. I can't be more like him until I know it. How do I find out? He said, one of the ways you find out is you better start calling. Start asking, start seeking me, and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. We got to be in prayer, so we got to offer up some prayer. The fourth pathway to the presence of God is worshiping the king. Worshipping the king, and I don't mean just in corporate worship, although corporate worship is so important, I'm talking about one-on-one, I'm talking about in, in, in smaller environments, I'm talking about throwing in a CD, or, or putting on the iPod, or, or the the Apple music, or whatever it is that, that you do, um, spending some time lifting up Jesus. Worshipping the king, this, this week I was talking to, to Travis Buckner, and, and Travis uh, was talking about I went to college and met this dude that that went to the same school I went to. And I was like, so where where did you go to college? And he said the name of some little bitty school. And I was like, what what town is that? He said, Gaffney, South Carolina. And I was like, no way. He said, man, I actually worked in Gaffney for about three weeks when I was a teenager. He said, what what were you doing? I said, well, I I worked at Taco Bell, as many of y'all know. Uh, Can't eat Taco Bell right now, but I worked at Taco Bell. Uh, And so there was a store about 45 minutes down the road that, went in really bad shape, and they started sending help to it from different areas around, and so they sent me down there for about three weeks uh, as they were trying to to get things under control, and it was a lot further drive, like my drive to my store was like five minutes, this drive was like 45 minutes to an hour, depending on traffic, and I I remember, it's funny like how detailed my memory is, I had a skillet worship CD, hallelujah, Uh, John Cooper bringing me into the presence of God, Um, and I just put that on every day on my drive down there and on my drive back. And I lifted up the king for 45 minutes. I said, you know what's crazy is my three weeks working at Gaffney was my favorite three weeks working at Taco Bell because there was an intimacy with God. There was a presence of God on the way to work that I didn't get on my five-minute drive. Now, that could have been a terrible 45 minutes or that could have been 45 minutes listening to sports radio or bumping Tupac or whatever else I might have been listening to at the time. But it was 45 minutes in the presence of God. Why? Because praise brings us into his presence. Psalm 100, Josh read it to you this morning. We're going to read it again. It says, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. You part of the earth? You, you on the earth, right? So it's for, this verse is for you. Shout for joy to the Lord. How, how many of us, we come in and, and, and we sing, right? Exalted one, right? Like he says, shout for joy. Another way, it says, it says make a joyful noise. So sing out. Man, man, when we come to that climax, man, shout. Lift up your voice. It says, worship the Lord with gladness. How often are we not worshiping with gladness? And look, I know there's times where it's it's a rough season. There's times of mourning. And I believe God God meets us in our mourning. So I'm not talking about, man, you you know, your your husband just passed away. You need to be shouting and worshiping with gladness. It's a rough season. I get that. But how many of us, we just don't get glad in the presence of God? We don't realize how good he is. You know what the Bible says? For In his presence there is fullness of joy. So if we're not worshiping with gladness, guess what that means? We're not really worshiping. We haven't really entered his presence. We might be going through the motions. We might be opening our mouth. But we're not really in his presence, because if we're in his presence, we're going to be glad. We're going to have fullness of joy. It says, come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his people. We are his, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. How do we come into his presence? With thanksgiving and with praise. What gets you before the king? Thankfulness, gratitude, and Praise. God, you're awesome. God, I love you. This is the, the way that I was always taught to, to begin my prayers, right? The ACTS method. You might know it. First thing is adoration. Before I do anything else, I'm going to spend some time adoring God because that brings me into his presence. That sets me before the king. And it ends with this. For the Lord is good. That's a good place to say amen. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Here's, here's what we need to know. If we're going to grow, we got to gather in his name with other believers. We've got to read the word. We've got to offer up prayers. we got to worship the king, right? Those, those four things are the growth process. It spells it out, G-R-O-W, right? We know that. Gather with other believers. Read the word. Offer up prayers. Worship the king. And you're probably looking at your life right now and saying, okay, I, I, can, I can do those things. Those things are easy. Um, th- that's not really that hard. Here's what I want to encourage you with. Because all of us have probably done some of those things and not felt his presence, right? Not entered his presence, not really been there. Here's what I felt like God said this morning. This wasn't part of my message originally, but I felt like I had to insert this. The difference that gets you into his presence is not simply doing it. It's the willingness to press in. Will you press in? In other words, not just opening my Bible or or getting on Bible Gateway and reading through a few verses while I got Facebook messages popping up and emails coming through and all this other stuff going on. It's it's setting aside intentionally, God, I'm going to focus on you. You are worthy of my focus. You're probably familiar maybe with the five love languages, and the the love languages talk about how one of the love languages is quality time. I believe one of God's love languages is quality time. I believe God wants our focus. He wants our attention. He wants us to set aside everything else and get with Him. And so we got to press in. We got to press in. When I was a kid, uh, we had the four food groups. We were taught about the four food groups. Anybody else taught about the four food groups? Okay, now we got the food pyramid. Pluto's not a planet anymore. Everything's changed, and Everything I was taught was wrong. But, but when I was a kid, there was four food groups. There was meat. There was grain. There was dairy. There was fruits and vegetables, right? And you were supposed to have a certain amount of servings of each of those four, four food groups to have a balanced diet. Uh, and even though the four food groups, I guess, isn't a thing anymore, uh, I think the principle can kind of apply If you're going to have a balanced presence of God, it's not, okay, I like reading the Bible, so that's my way to the presence. It's not, I like to worship, so I'm just going to worship, and that's going to be my way into his presence. Man, it's easy for me to pray, and I'll talk to God throughout the day. That's my way into his presence. It's not, I love to be around other Christians, so I'm just going to gather, and I'm just going to be around other people all the time. The way to really experience the presence of God to have a well-rounded experience. In other words, to, to not have blind spots. All of us have spiritual blind spots, right? Things that we don't see about ourselves, things that we don't see that God's calling us to, he wants to do in our life. The reason I believe why we have spiritual blind spots is because we like one of the pathways or two of the pathways, but we reject other pathways. I'm just, man, the Bible's just not really for me. That's not really my thing. Man, the worship's not really my thing. I'm, that's not for me. Man, I, I just like to get alone with God. I don't, I don't need to come together with other Christians. And prayers just just I don't really enjoy that I don't really get anything out of it and so I think the reason why some of us are not moving on to maturity is we've settled for one pathway or even for two pathways but we've rejected other pathways and I believe what god's calling us to as his people as we're going to grow is to embrace all the pathways and really to press into the most uncomfortable pathways I think the the way for the new season that God is calling you into, for the thing that, that God has ahead of you that you haven't experienced yet, for the call that God has on your life that you haven't walked in yet, the key that's going to unlock that new season is the pathway that you don't like. Might not be what you wanted to hear today. But I think the thing that's going to access his presence for you in a way you've never accessed it before is the thing you've left sitting on the side and say, that's not for me. So that means you're going to have to become a person of the word if you're not a person of the word. It means you're going to have to become a person of worship if you're not a person of worship. You're going to have to become a person who's disciplined to intentionally gather with other believers. If that's not your thing, it means you're going to have to become a person of prayer. If you're not a person of prayer, but we have got to grow, will you put that slide up with with, with all of them? The, the G R O W. We're going to gather with other believers. We're going to read the Word of God. We're going to offer up prayer. We're going to worship the King. And so, my challenge for you this week is to identify your most uncomfortable pathway. Identify your weakest pathway. This is the one that, that's hardest for me. This is the one I don't like. That means if you're not a worshiper, you're going to find some time to worship God all seven days this week. And it's going to start out and feel really awkward and really weird because you're going to put on some hill song and be like, okay, God, it's worshiping you. That's awesome. And you're, gonna have to, you're actually going to have to sing. You might have to go to YouTube and download and get it with like the lyric video so you can see the words, so you can sing along. But you're going to have to worship God, not just when we come next Sunday. you're going to have to worship God. If you're not a person of prayer, I'm calling you to spend time in prayer every day this week. Every day this week. Maybe it starts with five minutes. And maybe it's really tough. But I think by the end of the week, you're going to start to, you know what? God's showing up when I pray. If you're not a person of the word, we got a reading plan online. Easy, simple, just start doing that. Just start there. If you're not a person who gathers, we're going to be introducing some city groups in a couple of weeks for you that are, that are going to be life-changing and life-giving and impactful for you. And you start praying and saying, okay, God, I'm going to commit to a group this time. In other words, I'm not just going to show up for the first couple weeks, check it out, and, and then get caught up in the busyness of life. I'm going to carve out some time in my schedule so I can gather with other believers. Maybe you got to initiate some accountability like I did. Maybe you got to even go beyond that. But, but God is calling us to grow. Amen? You want to grow? Of course you do. All of us, all of us, all of us, have a pathway that's not easy and natural. All of us have one that's weaker than the others. Maybe we got three that are weak or maybe four that are weak. We're going to start with the weakest one. We're going to hit the thing that's the hardest, the most unnatural, the most uncomfortable, and in the process, we're going to come in the presence of God, and as we get in his presence, we're going to grow. Amen?